gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. This is another special episode of Mixtape Talk, and I am joined by, look, every guest we have is very special, but I'm joined by a gentleman that I, I just have to say, he's got to be hot in the streets right now. Uh, he is the director, Randy Wilkins. He just completed, well, just aired. It's been years in the making, but it just aired. Uh, all seven parts of the Captain uh, docuseries that follows the Captain himself, Derek Jeter. He is a three-time Emmy Award winner. He's worked on tons and tons of projects. Uh, Randy, welcome to the mixtape. Uh, thanks for having me, Cheetah. I appreciate it. Oh, nothing. Look, we have, again, we have a lot of special guests on this show, but I don't know if any of them have, when it comes to the, the, the heat meter right now, who's hot in the streets? <laughs> Randy has got to be hot in the streets, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, Everybody's going to talk about the captain. We're going to talk about the captain as well. I wanted to backtrack a little bit because I've been following your uh, Twitter accounts. I've been following your tweets, your social medias, and you are a die-hard Yankees fan. I see the cap, but you are <laughs> – I'm talking about you're probably knee deep in a hot stove season. You are a devout, devout. So I got a two part question. The first part is, how are you feeling today? Because I know y'all are still recovering from all that took place in the postseason. And then two, how did how did that fandom? How did that come about? How did you become such a diehard Yankee fan? Uh, well, first of all, I'm feeling good, you know, uh, <laughs> My attitude about the Yankees or towards the Yankees like never wavers. So you win some, you lose some. You know, what, like you, you've won a lot. You've won a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I've seen my team win a lifetime worth of championships. So I, I get it. I get uh, it. I'm like, see, it's interesting because I think there's like, I think what's going on with Yankee fandom now is that there are two generations, three generations at play here. So you have the generation like mine that. You know, it was the 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 dynasty Yankees. Right. I've seen five championships. Like, so I know what it's like to experience winning as a fan. Um, and also like heartbreak. Like I saw the old four ALCS and like all that stuff. Like I've been through all that stuff. And I think that there is a younger generation of Yankees fans who are like pretty angry at this point because they they missed the dynasty. Like at the most they got they saw one championship, but they might have been young and all they've seen is like this disappointment. So for me there's like frustrating losses and like, you know, you have, you look back and you look at 2017, 2019, like those losses to me are frustrating. Like this year, I mean, it, they just lost. You know what I mean? I don't, I think the Astros were better in certain categories, but I also don't think the Yankees played their best and they certainly didn't manage their best. So it's like, it is what it is. They lost, they lost to the champs. Um, I don't have any love for the Astros, never will. Um, <laughs> but for this year, it's just kind of like they lost. You know what right. I mean? It's not, there's not much you can say about it. I think for me, 2017 is the one that bothers me because it was cheated from them. Not to say that they were going to win a championship, but right. um, that's the one that like bothers me. This year is just they lost. I don't think that the Yankees played well. Um, it is what it is. It happens sometimes, you know. So hey, look, I'm an Orioles fan. It happens all the time. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an Orioles fan in my 40s. It happens all the time. I yeah, but you're, yeah, but good days are ahead for the Orioles, man. It's going to be good. We'll so. see. We'll see. How, how did it all come about for you? I know you played the game, but uh, how, how did your love for the game and, and your uh, fandom uh, kind of start? 
I mean, it's just they're from the Bronx. I'm from the Bronx. Like, you know, it was it was kind of like you were born into being a Yankees fan, you know. And I'm not really sure why I love baseball. Like, I love baseball pretty much more than anything outside of like my family and loved ones. Uh, I'm not sure where that came about, to be quite honest. Um, but the Yankees, it was a no brainer. Like, it's the only it's the only uh, team in New York that's like in the hood. You know what I mean? Like. It's like smack dab in, you know, yeah, in the south. The Bronx, yeah. Right. It doesn't, it's not off to the side. It's not like in Manhattan. It's not on the the coastline of anything. It's like right there in the, in the Bronx. So as a Bronx native, it just felt like, you know, they represented me and my community. And, you know, it's just natural. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I know a couple people from the Bronx that are like Red Sox fans, like black Red Sox fans and I'm like you don't do you even know the history of that team not to say that the Yankees were much better but um you know it, it that never made sense to me so for me it was it was like breathing air it was like you just gonna be a Yankees fan and that's it so um it's been like that since as long as I can remember and and you and you played the game you played the game at a, at a level higher than most and and I and I've heard you tell the story a couple times but had it not been for an injury we might not be talking to you as a director, filmmaker, a person working in cinema. You might have been, you might have been out there playing, or, or even did you ever think about coaching? Um, in regards to the game, you tell tell us a little bit about uh, you as as a player. What type of player was Randy Wilkins? Oh, I was like, you know, I'm not a big guy, so they try to make me be the like contact on base guy. But in a lot of cases, like I was hitting the ball harder than than bigger guys. I feel like I played it like at a different at a time that probably didn't fit the way I wanted to play. Um, I played in college. Uh, I went to a predominantly white institution, a PWI. So, of course, I was like the only black guy on the team for a while. Um, But I use, you know, I was kind of like the reverse. I used college and my time there to help me get ready for when I came back to New York and played on my traveling team. So um, I looked at it differently. You know, it was like, I didn't, I looked at college as a way to, to prepare myself for the season that I wanted to have, you know, which, which was in the summer with my boys and like we were traveling and, and, you know, our team was fortunate enough to have connections with scouts. So we had people looking at us in these tournaments that we played in. And I never really felt comfortable in college, mm. um, both culturally and just on the team. I mean, like my introduction to uh, my college team, I couldn't I wasn't cleared to play yet because I was I was technically a transfer, even though I hadn't like really gone to a school yet. I was a freshman, but I, I transferred schools in the summer right before my freshman year. So they didn't have all my medicals. So I was like helping them out with fall ball, like some of the tryouts and stuff and you know, I I was going to be a walk on. I knew I was going to make the team, but you know, I wasn't recruited by them or anything because I switched schools. And uh, a coach, I was helping a coach chart everybody sixty times, sixty yard dash times. And the guy turned to me. Now he had never seen me before, and he was like, "I know you're fast. I know you're going to blow these guys away." And I was like, "How do you know that? You know what I mean? Right. Like besides being black, uh, right? How do you know that? stereotype? Yeah, right. So." I knew right away that it was going to be different. Like I played in New York, it, you know, it didn't matter. Everybody it was just, you just playing to compete and you go where you are. But here I could tell right away it was going to be different. So, mm. um, 
you know, I had a tryout with the Kansas City Royals um, between my junior and senior year. That's I did crazy. Pretty well. Yeah, I did pretty well. I was at uh, Dewey Clinton High School here in the Bronx. Um, and I did pretty well for myself. And it was like a surreal experience. Um, and then a couple months later, I blew my knee out. So that was pretty much the that end was, of it. That's I the was, story. Yeah. So I'm not, I wasn't some like hotshot prospect or something like that. I was, you know, I was a good athlete, played well, played well at the right times, I feel like. And, um, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. So that eventually well, got into filmmaking. I was going to say, well, you're very successful now in this sense. The question is, do you like, did you still get to play after you did you after you recovered? Did did you miss it? Did you did you ever try to do oh, one yeah. of those? Did you ever try to do one of those? Like I'm gonna make a comeback. Oh no, 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 no. It was over. It was over. Like again, I wasn't like that hot shot prospect. So oh. now it just became I wanna I just wanna play. And I played I played one year after I recovered, and it wasn't like the best experience for me. I just didn't oh, like no. the team I was on and they had me playing like out of position and I, I wasn't healthy to play yet. You know what I mean? Like I could function, but I wasn't right. ready to play at that level. Um, so I ended up just being like a washed up hardball player, started playing <laughs> softball and you know, <laughs> softball in my life. Softball is big in New York. So like that that was where I got I was able to get it out and like, you know, then it became a hobby and I loved playing. So um I was able to get that, you know, scratch that itch, but it wasn't like anything competitive so, at that. So, point. so there will be what, what I'm hearing is there will be no J Cole. I'm gonna look. look I'm oh gonna no, go no, play, no! I'm gonna go play no. in Africa and see if I still got it. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> definitely no J Cole here. Uh, uh, J Cole shouldn't be doing it either, but you know that's uh, a different story. <laughs> look, um, let me ask because I mean, man, congratulations. Uh, you've done a lot of stuff. You won awards prior to this, but I, I'm sure this is a different level when we talk about the captain, when we talk about how people, not just in New York, but across the world, uh, feel about Derek Jeter, uh, being able to have the opportunity to, uh, you know, be around him for that much of time and interview him and interview the people around him and actually give an honest uh, portrayal of, of his life and some of the things that he was going through. It's got to it's it, it's amazing. It's got to feel amazing in the sense of, you know, now that it's out, does it feel are you more relieved? Are you more happy? How do like when you work on a project that this long and this in depth, when it actually gets out to the people, what's that feel like? Oh, it feels amazing. I mean, there's there's no relief. I mean, there's pride. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't feel relief because I know that what comes with the territory is something of this magnitude. You know what I mean? So you just kind of embrace it and accept it and you focus on the positives as much as you can. So for me, it was, it was excitement. Like I knew that we made something great and I knew that a lot of people were going to be into it. And I just, I was just ready to share it. You know what I mean? So like when people were digesting it and engaging with it, even the people that were like trying to hate on it at the beginning. And then all of a sudden they like flipped their tone. Like all that was exciting to me. You know what I mean? Like I knew people had their like uh, preconceptions and misconceptions of Derek. Part of it is by his own doing. And he would be the first one to tell you that. Um, but I knew what we had. And I knew that once they got out there, like people were really going to enjoy it and, and get into it. And that's what happened. So um, yeah, just like pride, excitement, happiness, um, but really just a sense of accomplishment. Like this was like a major project with a lot of cooks in the kitchen and a lot of agendas and, you know, people want to see it the way that they want to see it. But I'm proud that I was able to stick to my vision and, 
you know, presented it in the way that I wanted to present it. And I'm very proud of it. How, how did it come about for you? How did the how did the project, how did that that phone call happen? Uh, and and you, you kind of start to grasp, man, this might this might ha- like this might actually happen. How, how did it all come about for you? Uh, in late June of 2020, like during the lockdown, I got a call from Spike Lee, who uh, I've known pretty much my entire adult life. Right. And uh, he, you know, first checking up on each other because everything that was going on. And then he asked me if uh, he asked me who my favorite Yankee was. And I was like, Derek Jeter. But like, this is a very random question. There's no baseball. Like, there's nothing right. going on. Like, why are you asking me this? And then the next thing he said was, well, Derek wants to do a film on his life and his career and um, I can't do it. And I said that you were the perfect guy to direct it. Do you want to direct it? And I was almost dropped the phone and I was just like, first of all, I didn't know Derek Jeter would ever want to do a film on himself because at that time, like, like, it just made no sense to me. And then for me to have potentially have the opportunity to be the one to tell his story was like even more overwhelming. You know what I mean? So I had to uh, kind of collect my thoughts because it was just, that's not a phone call that you would get every day. And then uh, I met Derek. Funny enough, I met Derek two years to the day that the film actually premiered on ESPN. So I met him July 18th, 2020 and uh, the film premiered July 18th of this year. So um, a little bit of, you know, two years, number two, like all that symmetry was there. Mm. Um, and it was a zoom with Spike, Derek and I, and outside of the, the initial shock of like seeing Derek Jeter, like on a zoom with you, um, we hit it off right away. You know, it felt like we had known each other for 10 years and we spoke for about an hour, the three of us. And, you know, we just like. To use kind of like a corny phrase at this point, we just vibed. You know what I mean? It was just like we there was definitely a connection. Uh there was a, a comfort there on I think on both sides. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't BS him like I am who I am. I wasn't like blowing smoke up as you know what. I wasn't doing any of that. You know, I was just who I am. I, I don't I don't believe on that. I don't put on a front for people, regardless of who you are. So um I think he could sense that. I think he could tell that. You know, as we move forward, if we were to move forward, he could trust me. I wasn't trying to, like, take advantage of him or his story or the project. I just wanted to sincerely tell his story in the best way possible. So um, maybe a couple weeks later, I got the call that he wanted me to do it. And um, I remember where I was when I got the call. And I just kind of like I was in the middle of the street and I just like sat on the sidewalk for like 45 minutes. Like, what the hell is going on? Right. Um, Yeah. And then we just move forward. So that's all of that is so fascinating because I'm trying to figure out because you're an experienced filmmaker in that sense. You've worked on a lot of things and you worked on some documentary stuff as well. The, I guess the question when you when you start to embark on a project like that and, and is it is it your goal to tell Derek's story in the way that Derek wants to tell it? Or is there your goal like you have these kind of ideas and directions and things that you want to follow that says I need to tell this story and we need to get all the material to make sure obviously that it's accurate and authentic and, and Derek's going to provide that. But is it, it, or is it just a blending of two, like your vision, his vision? How, Cause it, it, it could be very easy for a director, especially uh, someone that is for lack of a better term, overwhelmed by the assignment to say, whatever you want to do, Derek, let's do it. 
Oh yeah, no, it's a blending of the two, but I think it it, it leaned more towards how I envisioned it. Mm. Uh, the good thing is that Derek aligned with a lot of it, so there wasn't a lot of back and forth. There wasn't a lot of conflict. I think we both had an understanding of like what this could be. Um, it was very clear from my end what I wanted to go after um, and what I wanted to talk about. I was very like clear in, in how I viewed him, not just like in a baseball sense, but in a cultural sense. Mm. Like the story had to, it wasn't just like a Yankeeography where we're just like going over your greatest hits. It's like, who are you the person? Like who is the man behind this jersey? And the most important thing wasn't just like Derek's vision, but it was his willingness to talk. You know, like you can't really execute it if he's just going to do the same thing that he did with a beat reporter for 20 years. You know what right. I mean? So um, it was a blending of the two. We never like really came in a conflict or anything. There weren't any big disagreements. Like everything was like real cool between Derek and I. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're the director, you're bringing your vision to it. And you have to be regardless of who you're talking to or who you're dealing with. You have to be true to your vision. You have to convince others that that's the vision that um they should go with and be on board with that's your responsibility but you know you can't capitulate to everybody just because they are who they are like this is a film like they're in your realm you know what i mean and like you have to earn their trust so that you know they're telling their life story so you have to be you have to be accountable and responsible with that but also you you're the director like you know you're supposed to know what you're doing so they're trusting you and you have to earn that trust. But once you get it, you know, you communicate and all that. But it's really how you see it because you're telling a story. You're not like playing baseball. You're telling a story. So, um, you know, it has to vision. No, I was going to say, and the result of what we've seen has to obviously is a credit to your work, but also it has to be a credit to Derek in the sense of allowing you to 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 tell that story in a way and him being – because. Because, I mean, it's no secret. He's even been more open about it, I think, since the captain's come out. He is a, I mean, trust is a tough thing with him. He he has trust issues. He says it over and over again. I got trust issues. For you to do your job, I'm, I'm assuming there has to be a lot of trust there, uh, obviously, early on. And so uh, how was it? being able to work with someone that is actually saying to most people and telling everyone, uh, you know, I got trust issues. I, you know, I've kept everything close to the vest. W was there a moment for you when you knew like, you know, this is going to be different. He's not going to treat me like a beat reporter. Was there some, uh, was there something that you threw out there and see like, let me see how, how genuine we're going to be here. I think it was that zoom call. I mean, the very first time I met him, you know what I mean? It was like, I think he had decided that he knew if he was going to do this, that he had to be open. So I think part of it was a conversation he had with himself that he had with his family, like his advisors, his agent, whoever, that if you're going to do this, you're going to have to open up. So I think part of it is his willingness before the conversation started. But when I came in again, I didn't give off any airs like, oh, my God, you're Derek Jeter. Like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It was like right. this to me, it was this is work. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is my realm and I have to like prove myself, but I have to be myself. This is who he's going to deal with. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I'm very comfortable and confident in myself to present myself the way that I am. And um, I didn't the conversation was like very organic and like how you would talk to your boy in a way mm -hmm. um, and not this like reverence. 
You know what right. I mean? Like, which is which is a credit to you because that's hard. Like yeah. you know, a lot of people. I mean, especially uh, when you get to because the interesting thing about Jeter, as I think, is because he was very close to the vest during his playing career, and and obviously times after that, when you do get something, it's like war. You know what I mean? It's uh, I think yeah. the I think the one of the best adages I ever heard was uh, I mean been Denzel Washington or somebody was like. Yeah, if they see me all the time, they're not going to want to see me in the films. So right. it was like, I got to see me in the films, then I got to back away. Jeter was right. like the master of you see him on the field, you might see him after the game, but you really didn't see. So, I mean, that's just got to be, uh, I, I do, I, I credit your, and I know you're, you know, you worked a, a long time to get to this point, but I credit your ability not I think to the, even rattle. Sorry, I think the other thing too is that, I don't really care for a celebrity. Mm. Like when I met Spike, I I I was enamored because he's Spike Lee, the artist, the genius, not yeah. like the celebrity. Right. So like for me, when I meet people of that level, I'm more interested in what makes you tick. How did you get to that point? Like I'm interested in how you manifested your like gifts. So like the celebrity part of it, I don't, I could care less about, like, I, I have no interest in that. So I'm fascinated by people who have such great um, accomplishments. How did you manifest all of this? What, what's your thinking? What's your day to day? Like, how are you as a human and how does that translate to your craft? Right. So like, even you know, when I met Spike, it wasn't like, oh my God, it's Spike Lee. It was more like, okay, this is a great, let me try to pull some things out of him and figure this out. And like, how did he get to that point? Same thing with Derek. And I think being around Spike and meeting a lot of other great people through Spike, you kind of get, not that you get used to it, but you understand that they're human. Like right. it's a cliche, right. but you they, actually know that, you know yeah, what I mean? You put your, they put their people. pants on the same way as everybody right. else. And it's just, it's let, let me ask you about a couple of things that were specifically um, in, in the series and what, what actually I enjoy, you mentioned it. Um, I enjoyed the stuff that was kind of the cultural, contextual stuff outside of what was happening on the field. Uh, I, I'm a fan of the game. I know how much the Yankees win. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I mean, I, I followed the seasons. You know, '96. I was, I was rooting for the other side because you know Jeffrey Mayer to this day. If I see him on the street, no, nah, but I get it. But thing you were able to really explore how someone like Derek Jeter grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan feels about race, how he feels about his family, how he feels about oftentimes you talked about it with your baseball experience might be the only black person on the team that may not fully understand what the other, you know, your teammates as, as nice as they are, as close as they are, they may not fully understand what you're going through. Right. Um, we obviously know Derek's close to his family, but how did you kind of, go into talking about there. I, I can't remember what particular episode it was, but there was a particular episode where it was the, in my mind, it was kind of the race focused episode. Um, and it talked about how Joe Torrey might've treated black players and the Gary Shutfield comment. It, it was just, how did you go about knowing um, that, Hey, we're going to get into this and we're going to see how Derek Jeter actually fully identified because it's something that he wasn't, I wouldn't say he shied away from it, but he wasn't completely open about it during his spring career. I mean, it was something that 
I knew we were going to do right from the beginning. I mean, I've always said that Derek Jeter is like one of those rare athletes and really the only major league baseball player that sits at the intersection of like a million parts of American culture. Like he sits at the intersection of all of them. You know what I mean? Race, celebrity, accomplishment, family. Um, the list goes on and on. So part of Derek's identity, not, you know, is his biracial background. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I, in, in talking to him, I, I learned, and I don't even think he realized this, but I discovered how much of his experiences off the field influenced the way that he attacked baseball. Like, I don't think it was just that he was ultra competitive. I think that he had a point to prove to people that were trying to deny his existence because he kept saying, you know, I didn't like the looks off the field, but I wanted everybody looking at me on the field. Like it was a Broadway show. So to me, that was a very interesting dynamic that had to be unraveled that you couldn't really run away from because it impacted how he played and his playing career. Um, and I, I also think that's part of the reason why he didn't really engage with the media to that level. Um, I think that they, they're all like connected to one another. So it was really important to me that when not just for this, but like I try to do this in every project that I do is in some at some point, put the mirror up to the rest of us watching this and not just like talk, not just talk about Derek, but talk about ourselves, talk about our country, talk about our culture and how that impacts one another. So it was really important that we got into the race stuff with with care and like patience. You know what I mean? And like really like peeled the onion back because it always comes back to Derek's identity, which therefore connects to his career. You know, they're all uh related to one another. They're not they're not mutually exclusive. So I feel like in order to know Derek the player, you had to know Derek the person and part of being Derek the person is identifying as a black man in America while playing in New York and people don't know what to do with you because they don't they can't put you in this little box. You know what I mean? So I think that, you know, you're talking about episode five. Mm -hmm. It was really important that, you know, once we talked about the media stuff and the celebrity stuff that we really there's another part to this, mm -hmm. you know, and it's how um, people viewed him and how that impacted him and how, you know, he impacted others. So um that's my favorite episode. That's the one that I'm most proud of because I think most directors would have shot away from that. They would have mm -hmm. just had this, uh, you know, great American story of how this, you know, interracial couple bred Derek Jeter and he's great. And now we're going to move on and not really engage with the rest of the stuff that, you know, influenced his life and his career. And um, I'm very proud that we, you know, took that step, took that risk in a way and, I think that it makes the story that much more um, robust, I guess. That's knowing, starting to learn your background. That's the most, that's the episode that I'm most proud or most happy to watch and know that you directed it from the Bronx and being able to, um, in many ways, like you were saying, I don't know if I would have trusted a lot of other filmmakers in that way that didn't have your background, that didn't know your game, that didn't know to be able to present it because you did present it with nuance. There was nuance there. Um, and I, and I code back because the, the Shetfield thing, the Shetfield comment, 
and and the and when he was doing his um uh kind of confessional type and it is i it, i'm even kind of in awe of the way that even looking back on it and Jeter kind of talking back on it and said, Hey, I talked to Gary at the time, but I probably talked to him now and we're cool because I feel like if a black man tells another black man that they're not black, that's, that's like a core, like I'm watching it like, <laughs> Whoa, like you know what I mean? And I don't think a lot of um, people that didn't have that experience, and doesn't know what that feels like in any way to say, like that was, you know what I'm saying? It just felt like yeah. so. A, a, a credit to 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 the stuff that you. Do. I, I, I do want to ask another question of that, you know, of that time period in that era as well. Being from the Bronx, uh, how much, uh, bad boy type? Look, how much bad boy Rockefeller did you want to put <laughs> into it that you had to leave on the cutting board? How much Black Star? <laughs> because you're you're doing this, and it's it is the rise of, so some of the best hip hop like. I, I, different people debate errors, but you Jeter's there, and there's the rise of Puffy's Bad Boy. Then there's that transition to Rockefeller and Jay Z, and I'm no and someone with your background and your history and being in the Bronx like that. I've all, and seeing the soundtrack of what you used. Um, I, I feel like hip hop culture had to play a major role in in just this story. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, we had some songs in there. We had to take them out. Um, <laughs> It what, wasn't even who, who didn't get cleared. Well, it wasn't even honestly. It, it wasn't even like on the clearance side. It's just right. that ESPN has like very specific music license policies. Okay, that made it difficult for us to make it work. Like we would have had them all cleared, but they have something that's like very unique to just like them that makes it difficult with some of the publishers. You know, like no, I understand. I understand. It's just it's just getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had them. I mean, we would have cleared all of them if we didn't if we didn't have to deal with that. But um yeah, I mean you Look you at have to rank Oh good, good, good. Again, it's like about culture. So you don't always have to put it on this on the screen per se where it's visual, but you can feel it just through the music. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of traveling down memory lane of like that era as well in New York City. Like we were very specific like early on to make sure that it was just like New York artists. Now we expanded as we go on, like you have Freeway, you have uh, Kendrick Lamar, mm -hmm. like we expanded as we go on because hip hop at that point, you know, at at that point was like way more like global and accessible at different like areas of the country and the world. But, you know, during that time, the New York dominated it, you know, it was still like the place. So, I feel like Derek let me down at the end of the film, though. I think that somebody asked him. It might have been an interview. Somebody asked him what he was listening to, and it was it was real. I can't remember what it was. It was real disappointing. I can't remember what he said. Uh, no, I think I think that might have been in a different interview. He did whatever he said was I knew whatever he said was disappointing to me. That's he's all. He's like an R&B guy. He's an R&B guy. So I'm like <laughs> kind of surprised he didn't. Wasn't like yo, where's like Kenny Lattimore? From right. Miami. Like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. To I. Because you talked about Jeter and the intersection of all things, I, I have to really just quickly, and this is a little bit of a divergence, but I want to, I have to ask you, in your opinion, does Aaron Judge fit that that mold now? And I know it's easy to look at Aaron Judge and say he's biracial and he's a big Yankee star, but does he does he? People don't fully understand if you didn't live through it how revered Jeter was, and now mm -hmm. Judge is obviously face of the Yankees, obviously, you know, but
But is it is do you see, find it similar or do you say okay now Jeter had to deal with something different? I feel like Jeter had to deal with something different. I also feel like New York and the world are in two different places. Like when Absolutely. Derek when Derek played, like unquestionably, New York City was the epicenter of like culture. Like in terms of just like hip hop and like fashion and all that other stuff, like it was New York. It's not like that anymore. Not to say that like New York lost lost its luster. I know people like to say <laughs> well, that. Well, watch yourself now. Look, watch yourself, Randy. I know you. Look, I know where you right, live. Right, <laughs> right, right. But because that that's never ever going to be true because New York is New York. But there's, and I think that this is a good thing. Things have expanded to different yeah. parts of the country, different parts yeah. of the world. So he's Judge is playing at a completely different time. You know what I mean? So I think that. It's just different eras. Like it's definitely one of those situations where it's just a different era, and he's in a different placement. And I don't really know that much about Aaron Judge. Like we all mm -hmm. knew in New York that Derek went out. We knew that he hung out with celebrities. We mm -hmm. knew that he was like, doing his thing. Like we knew that. I don't like Judge is already married. Like Derek didn't get married, so he <laughs> he's, would. He's like, different. He's a different you know, he's, cat. He's, you know, yeah, and he's. I don't think. I don't get the impression that like. And I'm sure he's, you know, he's had his fun or whatever here, but like, I don't get the impression that that Aaron Judge is into like the scene of New York as much as Derek was. But also, to be quite honest, once you had the pandemic, the scene in New York completely changed, like it did everywhere else. There everywhere. Is no, it's not the same, you know what I mean? So it's hard to compare just because it's just completely different eras, and there's a pandemic in the middle of it. You know, it's just different world. So. Two two more questions on the captain because I do think. Uh, and everybody that hasn't watched it yet, it, it's ESPN Plus streaming everywhere. Make sure you check it out because it is phenomenal. Was it harder to get more from him about his time at the Marlins as a owner? For two, re I'm thinking one because it was closer. It, it's 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 much more recent to him as opposed to him feeling like he's talking about things that were earlier on in his career. Um, and it's something where no matter what you talk about. Derek Jeter in the playing realm, it's championships. You're talking about championships. He always wanted to be an owner, gets an opportunity to be an owner. Um, the Marlins were, you know, but for all case and points, he left them a better organization than he found them. But I also felt like there was more. I, I needed, I needed more to that time period. How, how, how was it with, you know, how did you want to portray that time period? And, and was it, did you find it difficult getting any kind of information about him being a GM and an owner? Uh, it wasn't difficult, but he had like legal stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, that's that, that's something I'm, I'm, we don't, we wouldn't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he when he left, there was he had an agreement with the yeah. Marlins. So that makes more uh, sense. He said as much as he could, and I, I, I know he wanted to say more. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll pull the curtain back since this is over. MLB played a big role in it as well. MLB mm -hmm. was trying to stop us from airing it, mm -hmm. so. Not um, the not the series, but the Mar Marlins part. The episode. Okay. Oh, the last episode. Okay. Yeah, they were, you know, so uh, there was just a lot of back and forth and, you know, without getting all into the nitty gritty yeah, of yeah. it, like, it, there was more there, but people were, you know, trying their best to make sure that it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I don't think it did anybody a service, including the Marlins. I mean, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it makes the Marlins look worse, to be quite honest. And 
I don't think it makes MLB look great either. Mm -hmm. Um, But specific to Derek, yeah, I mean, he he spoke about it as much as he was allowed to say. That makes sense. Now that you tell you say it like that, that makes sense. Because I was fascinated about that part because we always talk about, look, we need more black owners in the game. We need more black executives. We got one. Like, I'm cheering for him. I'm cheering for the general manager he hired. I, I will say this. Like, I think what he says is like very true to what like he's not like sugarcoating or or keeping something away from the public when he said that the vision changed and you can read between the lines yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how mlb and the teams operate with their players like you know salary wise you can determine yeah. you know so i th- i you know i think a lot of it for that stuff because we had to like compromise um because of like you know legal ramifications and stuff like that, what he's saying is is what happened. You know what I mean. So, uh, we would have loved to have given more detail, but I think what he does say pretty much says all that needs to be said. That's what's up. Um, yeah. Last question on this: Do you feel weird? Um, as as I do when I see Jeter and Arod Arod having to do things now, <laughs> like like because I I'm telling you. No, I thought you did a fantastic job in the series, but as you know, you know as I know, as we're watching those postseason games, they're putting them on panels, they're putting them together, and I'm saying I think he was on a K ride, and I was like, yeah. yo, he he about to leave, <laughs> he, he is not staying through this. That K ride episode, that K ride episode was crazy, and I'm like, yeah. do, do you feel weird when they're around each other? Like, do you feel like this this may not this could go off any minute? A little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just awkward. You know, I don't I, I don't I be, I believe Derek when he says he doesn't have ill will because I think that where he is in his life, right. I think that he just kind of put it where it is. I think his wife Hannah has a lot to do with that, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um so I believe Derek when he says, you know, it's in his place, it is what it is, it's still awkward. Um, weird as hell. I, t- I was texting oh, yeah. my man. I was texting my man. It's like, yo, this this is weird. Like, he about to pull out. He about yeah. to leave. He about to leave. This yeah. Uh, I do believe Derek, but also think it's awkward. I think both things are like, you know, in play when it comes to that. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's a weird dynamic. I don't so, think it's ever going to be normal. So, so now, are you behind the camera when they do like the confessionals, like the A Rod confessional? Were you behind the camera for yeah, that? It's or- not, yeah. They're not like confessionals, they're just interviews. Right. But yeah, I'm on the camera. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to look, I'm a look, reality TV. I used to oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. because here's the thing. There are things while while people are talking. I mean, let's just take A Rod out of it, but it's basically A Rod. There are people like he is lying to camera. <laughs> and you are you gotta sit there with a straight face, knowing that you have whether it's the the video footage, the receipts of him, like my man was literally okay. Again, how how do you? Because you've interviewed over what ninety something people for this for this series. When you know that they're like literally conflicting information, where you know you gonna look crazy at the end of this. Do, is there a way that you can head that off? Is there a way? To look- <laughs> because I know you want to get the story. No, nah, but I mean, you go into it saying. You let people speak their truths, regardless of what it is, whether you agree with it or not. So if that's his truth, he's going to say it, and I'm just going to follow up on things, and then they take it where they want to take it. Like, you know, the best you can do is follow up. But if they want to 
take it in a different direction or a direction you don't really anticipate, you roll with it and then you put it in the film and you let people decide. But it's not my place, right? in my opinion, as a director to manipulate what people think or how they feel. If that's how you feel and that's what you're saying on camera, then that's what we're going with. But I'm not trying to correct you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like when, when right. Wally Matthews said that, you know, Derek was colorless, I'm not going to correct you. You know what I mean? Like that, right. that's how you feel. Right. I'm going to follow up and be like, what does that mean? Like, I've never heard that before. What do you mean? What does that, how do you, you have that see. perception? How did you arrive at that? But I'm not going to say, look, Wally, man, that's impossible. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's even though, in, or even on the inside, like you're feeling yeah, like, you're this, like is this is crazy. This is crazy right now. Yeah, like you're out of control. Like, right. this is, pull it this together. Is a statement. Uh, but you you let them say because that's their truth. Now you follow up on it, but I'm not going to correct you. That's how you see it. That's then that's my bias coming into it, and that's not really the film's not here Oof. for me. It's for other people. I mean, in my mind, I think I could be a filmmaker, but I'm I'm telling you now. I look I looked at some of those interviews, and I'm sitting there being like, "You look crazy right now," because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, with that said, Randy, it's a it's an amazing it's an amazing piece of work. Uh, like I said, I encourage everybody to see it. I'm I'm sure, um, as you mentioned as well, when you're talking about just even taking the phone call and and putting it in perspective, was there any. Was there any hesitation when you got the when when it was like, yo, you got was there any hesitation to be like, nah, nah you just gotta do it. Nah. This is what I do. Oh, nah. Yeah, this, this is what you want, man. It's like, you know, it's your World Series. Like exactly. not many, Did it feel like many. that? It felt like the World Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, there are there are lots of people that wanted to do this project, I'm sure. Right. You know what I mean? They, you know, the scope of it, who it is. It's prime real estate. And then this like guy that I've never heard of or don't really know him, like who's this guy? You know, he gets it. So yeah, you're you're aware of like the magnitude of it. And I'm I don't shy away from that. Like again, right. I'm very confident in myself. Turn the lights on. Yeah, like right. let's do it. You know what I mean? It's like let's go. Like let's go win this World Series, basically. So basically. Well, I think you did. I think you did with with the project yeah. and the series. I think it's phenomenal. Um, you need to get you out of here on a, uh, on a on a couple of just fun questions because, like we said, we know you played the game. I asked most people that I interview this particular question: uh, living or dead, you can face any picture you want. Who's the pitcher you're you're going up against? Greg Maddox. What? That is the first. That is the first. Um, why Greg Maddox? Dude was like. The perfect picture it's just like what is it like to experience this guy who's like the epitome of the craft like what is it like to battle somebody like that like how do you not just like his execution but i mean i he just he just thought the game through like at the highest level it's just what would it be like to step in the box against somebody like that you know what i mean because it's not it's not just like he's going to overpower you but he might i was just say i think you might be able to hit maddox though that's my thought <laughs> Yeah, but it might not be. <laughs> might not be, be it might be an eighteen hopper to like the shortstop. You that's know, crazy. That was where to put it. So, um, we uh, we talked off camera. You, so you, you did Jeter. We talked before we started recording that you also did one of my favorite athletes, Roy Jones Jr. You did a short um, that you got to work with Roy Jones. Um, is there any look? Mount Rushmore has what two more faces? Is there any sports? 
what if you had to pick uh anyone to do a documentary on outside of obviously Jeter and Jones at this point, who 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 is the person that you would find fascinating? Lewis Hamilton. That's what's up. Why you got give me a little bit more? Why Lewis? Just I mean, obviously we know Lewis is no the greatest F one driver of all time, but I mean, I I think he's on the level of Derek. You yep. know, like and I think that his worldwide impact might even like it probably is larger than it probably Derek. is. Yeah, yeah. No, it probably is. It's definitely globally. Yeah. So I think that he has a tremendous story. I think that a lot of the things that he went through was was public, unlike Derek. Like, you know, he had to deal with a lot of things because he was black. Mm-hmm. And I think that unraveling that, talking to him, the positivity that he like has with the world, you know, he just became an honorary citizen of Brazil when, you know, the first time he won a championship in Brazil, it was like not the best of circumstances for him. Mm-hmm. The reaction wasn't great. Um, I think that he tells us a lot about ourselves and the world. Um, I just I just think the world of Lewis Hamilton and his story, and I would I would love to tell that story. That's a good one. Randy, we are gonna leave it right there. This has been phenomenal, man. This has been and a been a blast. Tell everybody again. Now I'm gonna warn my audience. Uh if you follow Randy on social media, you're gonna get a lot of look, there's a lot of Yankee stuff. I mean, it's <laughs> in depth. I mean, he's he's, it is. he's in game tweeting about why they're making pitching decisions and so forth. Uh, all right. Matter of fact, I'll get you out of here on this. Where do the, uh, d- does judge stay and it, it, any of the young kids come up? Uh, I know they were talking about there's, there's some young kids in the Yankees farm system. Does judge stay? What does next season look like on the field? Does judge stay? Do some of the young kids yeah. come up? What do you think happens with the Yankees? I, I honestly think judge stays. I think the Yankees need him more than he needs him at this point. Uh, I think they know that like they have a tendency if they don't want you, they don't really talk about you. They've been talking about him like ad nauseum. It's almost mm-hmm. like we get. Um, so I don't think that they will be outbid. And I think he truly loves the Yankees and the, the guys in the locker room. So I think he'll be back. There'll just be a lot of rumors in between. Uh, and I do think the young guys are coming. Is it, was it, is it Jake, Jason Dominguez? Is, is there, is uh, it, no, it'll, it'll be Volpe and Volpe's Peraza. first. Yeah. Yeah. And Peraza and Cabrera. I I don't think the Yankees have a choice because I don't think they're going to go for. I just don't think they're going to go for big free agents outside of of Judge. Right. And you got us on. They've needed a shortstop for four years now, and they never traded these guys. And they need to get younger. I mean, they have an old roster now, which is kind of crazy to say, but they need those young guys. Like they need that infusion of energy and like that athleticism. I, they'll. I think all three of them will be there at some point next year. That's what's up. Randy Wilkins, it's a, it's been a pleasure uh, spending some time with you, getting to talk to you. Uh, make sure everybody follow you. Uh, it, wh- where's where's the Twitter handle they can follow? Uh, it's Pam Sun. If Twitter still exists when this comes out. Yeah, we, uh, we're just going we to ride that part out. We're going to act yeah, like yeah, we're going uh, to uh, do one of these. <laughs> Still fig- Look, I'm still figuring out if Georgia go work. I mean, if I can even yeah. go to Atlanta, I might not be able to go to Atlanta next week. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Pam Sun, P-A-M-S-S-O-N. And I'm ravishing Randy Rude in honor of ravishing Rick Rude on uh, Instagram. So, Well, that's brother, fun. congratulations on, on all the success, not just the recent success, but all the success, uh, because hey. it, it, most people will see it now and, and think that it happened overnight but it, it, it you know it, it is a work in progress and a lot of a, a lot of projects 
where, you know, it wasn't as prominent as this. So congratulations to you. Thank you. And I just want to say thank you for doing this project and thanks for having me. I think it's really important. And, um, you know, a lot of people talk about what they can do to help with the game out and all that stuff, but you're like actually putting that into motion and in action. So thank you. I appreciate it. No, we're going to see you. Look, we're going to talk about those baseballs in the background next time, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mixtape Talk. Until next time, we see it.